Welcome to episode 43 of The Process. True to yourself. episode 43 of the process i am quavon taylor and i am monte martin uh today we have jada davis on the podcast welcome to the podcast jada hello thank you for having me thank you thank you for joining us can you tell the listeners where you're from i'm originally from tampa florida 813 813 tampa florida what was it like growing up in tampa um well i uh Brandon won't say, my husband won't say that I'm from Tampa. He'll say I'm from Brandon um, <laughs> because that's where I slept at night. However, um, all my family, my church, my school, everything was in the city of Tampa, Florida. Um, I didn't really appreciate it until I left. Um, Tampa is a beautiful place uh, to live, just the access to the beaches, the uh, temperature year round weather um and the diversity tons of there's tons of things you can do we have theme parks professional sports teams tons of different types of food um it really was uh i had a, I had a pretty nice upbringing i enjoyed um where i lived my mother was really strict of course being the firstborn i wasn't able to do much it was go to school and come home um, but uh, <laughs> everyone has to deal with that, I guess. But, you know, growing up, were you a, were you a good student? Um, what were you involved in? Uh, what were your hobbies? Growing up, I did track for a little bit. I was on the dance team for a little bit. Um, my senior year, I, I wanted to try everything. I did ROTC that year. Tried to join the softball team, but I was just the manager. Ended up getting a concussion that year from it. Um, did track for a little bit, did dance, the softball thing. I was involved in the Saving Our Children ministry at my church back at home in Tampa, pretty much from age like eight to 16. Um, it was pretty much all the youth of our church. We did different things. We met up on Saturdays, 
Um, we took a few trips to um, schools, like we took a, a trip to FAM, we went to Washington, D.C., all that good stuff. Um, and that's about it. Like I said, my mom was kind of like, go to school, come home. So I didn't do much else besides that. Uh, I was a pretty good student. I was in AP classes my junior and senior year. I was actually in IB first, but I dropped out. So I was, I wasn't that good of a student, but wasn't really that focused, if that makes sense. I was smart, but I kind of just, kind of just went with the flow. I didn't really have much direction about um, taking things seriously about what I wanted to do. So that was probably my, my uh, weakness. So, so thinking about that, uh, when did you start to take school, I guess, more seriously, or was it just that you, you were smart, you knew that was the next step, like college and things like that? College, I went to college just because that's what you're supposed to do. That was like the next, because it was the next step. It's like you graduate high school and you go to college. Um, of course, my mom put ideas in my head of what I should do. Uh, she wanted me to be a doctor. And so I initially went in and I was like, oh, my major is going to be exercise science. I'll be pre-med. And then I was like, oh, I don't really want to be a doctor. I kind of want to be a nurse instead. And then I decided, oh, you know, I just took a criminology class. That was really, really cool. I'm going to go work for uh, the CIA. Like, I'm going to major in sociology and criminology. Um, and then I graduated and I had someone who would connect to the FBI, but I kind of, I don't, I don't know what happened where I was like, I want to go to grad school, um, and get my master's in public administration. I wanted to lead a nonprofit and I'm pretty sure it came from working with NCNW and so unique enrichment for girls while I was at FSU. Um, so I applied, I studied for my, um, it's the GRE, right? I don't know why I can't think of it right yeah. now, but that's for grad school, yeah. Studied for that, took the test and everything. And while I was waiting to hear back, um, my mom was like, oh, you know, guess what? I just got asked to judge um, the auditions for the Tempe Buccaneers cheerleaders. Isn't that so cool? And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And, you know, I've been dancing since high school. And I was like, well, what if I don't get into the program? So I was like, I kind of miss dancing. So let me go ahead and audition anyways. So I auditioned, made the team. A week later, I got my acceptance letter. And I was like, well, can I postpone to the spring? And they're like, sure, like, no big deal. Finish out the season. Finish the season. And I was like... I don't want to stop doing this. So I never went to grad school. Um, and my path has completely changed. So Jada, why yes. Florida State? Both of my parents went to Florida State. Florida State is actually the only school I applied to. It was a horrible <laughs> strategy, but I told you, I told you, I didn't take it seriously. This is why that was like, I am so grateful that I got accepted um, because I was just like, oh yeah, I'll just apply to Florida State. That's where my parents went. And I was lazy and that was that. 
But what was what was your, your college experience like for you when you got there and got to you know see FSU for yourself? So uh, um, again, I was very shocked because I was a very sheltered child, um, and so being on my own and being around all these different people was eye-opening. It was uh, the first time that I felt the whole racial tension of life, which is, may seem a little shocking. Um, but I went to a high school, like I said I was, in, I started high school in the IB program. So the school I went to was a magnet school. It had a mix of people. We had basically people from everywhere. Any, any nationality, ethnicity you can think of, they were at my school. Um, even though it was still a majority black school. So I got to FSU and I felt that divide like immediately. It was so sharp and in some ways it helped, um, but in other ways it was kind of isolating, which is why I, I was also grateful that Sam was there because it's like you have a whole school of people like you. Uh, and so it made it a little easier to deal with. So I kind of envy Rattlers and my little sister who graduated from FAM as well. But once mm -hmm. you graduated, once, so once you graduated from Florida State, I want to know, did you go directly into working into your field or what, what was that like? Directly after I graduated? Uh-huh. Um, but well, right before I graduated, I decided that I wanted to go to grad school. So right after I was just doing or working a part time job until I got accepted into the program. So I didn't go right into using my degree. I've actually haven't held a job that um, I needed my specific degree for. What, what, what is your degree? I got my bachelor's in criminology and sociology. I double majored in that um, because I, I, I was interested in joining the FBI or the CIA okay. to investigative work. Um, and I was really interested in uh, the human trafficking uh, side of it. And that kind of kind of lended it itself into the law area. Um, but I didn't want to be a lawyer. So I was like, the investigative part was was for me why not going to the uh the i mean the investigative part of it well like i can't remember exactly what it was but with my work with um, the organizations i was a part of with ncnw and so unique i wanted to do nonprofit work uh, i felt like that would be more fulfilling and align more with my my personality, uh, my values. So I, I switched at the very last minute. I kind of went through the similar process. Um, once I graduated, I got an internship in Iowa, and I'm like, you know, I kind of don't want to work in the cornfields um, 1,500 miles away from my family, so I want to go to like the nonprofit route. Um, mm -hmm. So I went through that similar transition. Uh, but what was it like? Um, once you tried out for cheerleading and, you know, you kind of start to follow that for a little while, where did that take you? Uh, while I was, I was cheering, I was still trying to 
push towards working in nonprofit. So I actually got a job with, um, they were called Eckerd Community Alternatives. I don't know if I can say that. Um, at the time, uh, they're, they're called something else now, but I was like, oh, I'm gonna get like an entry level position here and then like work my way up and still work with the people that I wanted to. So their job uh, was to work with, um, there are a lot of like a different caseworkers, different um, agencies that work together for like to work in place um, children. Um, and so I was just in the records department and I was like, you know what? The way this place is working, um, I don't know if it's, it's gonna work out. So I started looking into other things that I could do. And that's when Teach for America popped up and I applied and selected my top places where I would be willing to work. I chose places all over because I was ready to get out of Florida. Um, but me and my husband had started dating at the time and he asked me to put Jacksonville down. And lo and behold, that's where they placed me. Um, so I went a completely different route than I initially planned. Um, but it was still working with children, working with those who needed extra attention, people who cared, who actually cared. Um, and so I've been here in Jacksonville ever since. What was it like teaching? And how did you use your, your life experiences to help become a better teacher? I think me being a young teacher alone kind of helped a bit to relate with the students more. Just because, you know, when I, my first year, my students, I taught 11th grade reading. So they were only eight years younger than I, than I was at the time. So even though there was like a, a slight, you know, you know, that eight year gap, they still saw me as someone who was relatable. Like I wasn't too far away from them. And so I felt that that helped me to gain their respect quicker. Um, they tended to listen to me um, more than like older teachers. Um, and so we developed this trust in this relationship that allowed us to have like a real relationship with each other. And so um, it made teaching easier, made teaching them easier. It made uh, them learning. They were more receptive. And yeah, I had a good experience with my students. What was it like, uh, you know, managing? Did you, did you have to cheerlead and teach at the same time? Yes, uh, my first year teaching and my first year cheering in Jacksonville, I was doing them both at the same time. The only thing that was, I guess, hard about it would be the mornings after practice where we're practicing from 7 to 10 p.m. and I don't get home and in the bed until like right before midnight, but then I have to wake up at 4.30, 5 a.m. the next morning to get ready for school. Um, so time management, of course, is a huge thing. Keeping a planner, like I had to have, well, I still have 
an hourly planner where I set up what I'm doing every single hour of the day so that I could squeeze in time like when when am I grading when am I planning when am I having these meetings um, so I can set it around practices and appearances and games but it wasn't it wasn't that bad like once you have your groove everything kind of flows and did you eventually come become a full-time cheerleader or teacher um there's no such thing as a full-time cheerleader so it's it's part-time um so you have like your full-time job and then two times a week you go to rehearsal in the evenings um for a few hours so it's it's not a, a huge time commitment I mean like it, de- it depends on how much how much you're doing so like I wouldn't sign up and do as many appearances as someone who didn't work who was it or who who had school from a certain amount of time and then they like a couple hours a day and then they could you know have that free time um, so it all just depends on your situation what you're available and what you're willing to do but cheerleading is a part-time gig. What experiences did you gain from cheerleading that helped you become the person that you are today? I posted a, a little bit about this. So I started cheering in Tampa in 2014. And that day that they announced the team was they had like a draft day party at the stadium. And so it, it was pretty much in front of everyone where I was like, oh, you made the team? Well, let's perform. If you didn't, sorry, bye, leave the stadium now. So <laughs> it was kind of stressful, but I remember when when I made the team and I was with a smaller group of girls and we're walking around talking to the fans and there's this little girl, this little black girl, and she's walking through and she's looking at all of, all of us and like, just looking around and then she saw me and her face completely lit up and she ran to me and I was like I've never forgotten that moment I was like this is why representation matters so much for you to see yourself in someone and like it completely changes your whole day and so when I came here to Jacksonville I was still rocking the the curly weave um like that was my cheer look. But my second year, I was like, I'm done with this. I had started locking a few months before and I felt like, one, my hair was getting too much to be braided down. And two, I didn't I didn't wanna I didn't wanna hide like my like all of me, like my complete authentic real self. So I auditioned that second year with my little starter locks. They barely touched my shoulders. I was really nervous. I didn't think I was going to make the team because of it, uh, because the whole the glamour part is a huge part of it. Um, but my coach, she knew she knew me. She knew what I was capable of, um, and she didn't care about that. So I made the team. I. So many people approached me and like thanked me and made it this really big thing and I didn't realize how big it was. And then I also, I I made Pro Bowl that year and it was just an accumulation of all these things because I decided to be brave enough to be myself in in, in all aspects of it. 
um, physically, emotionally. And that's why I always tell people, I'm like, just be you. Don't be what you think you other people want you to be. Be true to you and things, everything will fall into place. Wow, that's powerful. Um, <laughs> from representation matters to being yourself. That's powerful. Uh, do you see yourself chilling in the future or are you officially retired? I am officially retired. No one believes me, but <laughs> it's the truth. Um, I have to let my body heal and I want to move on with my life. Um, hopefully start a family or build my family. So what's next for you? Well, I am putting a lot more focus um, and time and energy into my business. And um, again, like I said, hopefully start popping out some babies. I know both of you are fathers um, trying to join the parent train. <laughs> Brandon Jr.'s in. <laughs> so what, what is the uh the habit of wellness uh, where, where did you come up with this idea and what does it mean to you so 2015 i was having some health issues um and so the very next year brandon was like oh let's you know try this whole vegan thing everyone thinks i put him on but he put me on so we went quote unquote vegan or like barely vegan. Like I had an Instagram and a blog and everything called Barely Vegan. Um, I did that for like a year and a half. And then I started incorporating um, meat every now and then. So, which is why I was called Barely Vegan. Like once a week I'd have Chick-fil-A. Like that was my, my thing, like all week long. I'd be completely vegan, and then Friday I'd have my Chick-fil-A, and then the cycle would start over again. Um, and people seemed really interested in what I was eating. Um, of course, like it was, it was a new thing for a lot of people. Um, they didn't understand it, so I was kind of the test dummy, I guess. Um, <laughs> and so since people came to me for knowledge and experience with it, I kind of was like, well, you know, since so many people keep asking me these questions and like want to know like how, like what's healthy, what's not, like all these things, I was like, well, maybe I can make a, you know, make a business out of it. So I got certified. Um, started the business, registered, created my website, changed my Instagram handle, all this stuff. Um, and now I'm a health and wellness coach and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do grocery store tours. Um, and the big goal for me is to be able to be in the position where I can go out in the community and educate people who don't have access to to healthy food or to the like getting to gain the knowledge of like what is healthy what isn't healthy what they should be eating um 
like in like food deserts and such, um, like free workshops for women specifically because the women in the family tend to be in control of what they eat. Um, so those would be the people to target. I was gonna ask, you know, transitioning from, you know, cheerleading or teaching, where you kind of uh, in the mold of uh, an employee um, into basically kind of like an employer almost, owning your own business. How has that transition been? Okay, so that's actually a really good question because I believe there are some people who are born to be like bosses and entrepreneurs and then there's other people who are meant to do the work behind it, which one isn't better than the other. Um, my husband, Brandon, he was born to be an entrepreneur. I don't think that's what I was born to do. It isn't something that came easily to me that I wanted to do per se. It was kind of seeing Brandon in it and him pushing me that kind of encouraged and changed my mindset around it to want to do it. Um, like it took a lot of a lot of push from him, honestly. Um, and it hasn't been the easiest because I still, like since I graduated from Florida State, I worked multiple jobs at once. And is I just enjoy doing that, I guess, um, since I can't seem to stop doing it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 taking some time, but I'm getting better at trying to process the change and get into the entrepreneur mindset more often or more times than I'm not, if that makes sense. I think it is a skill that you can learn though. Like, yeah. Um, because I tend to be more of the entrepreneurial person, but I also have to like I'm leaning on the institution or like academia, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Reese is Miss Corporate America, and so like I'm kind of different in that in that sense. Um, but I think it is a skill that you can learn, um, and you're learning it on the fly. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, you're learning it. But how has it been as far as uh, you know taking that that idea and turning it into something tangible, um, from idea to actual? You know, you start to see a website, you start to gain kind of following and things like that. How has that process been? It's been extremely difficult. Um, it takes a lot, a lot of work and hours. Um, like when I was developing my program um, for my business, it was basically like two whole months of me every single day sitting at my computer from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And the only reason I, I, I would get up with Brandon and say, I'm like, you know, like, what are we gonna eat? Or like, <laughs> what, hello, are you are you here? Like, what's going on? Um, because I was so immersed in it and working so hard to get it done because I, I, I was doing it all by myself. Like, uh, registering my business, creating my website, like that alone like is a lot like I'm no designer or web designer 
Um, so he's basically self-taught for everything. Um, and then aside from coursework, being certified, and I was just doing a lot. Um, and in the beginning, I was—I I think I was working hard and not necessarily working smart. Um, Brandon always tells me how when you are the boss, you kind of like, you get to the point where you want to get to the point where you delegate others to do certain jobs because you can't do it all. Um, but right now I'm still doing it all. So it's, it's hard um, to be the boss, be the content creator, be the accountant, be the designer, be the marketer. Like it, you're doing all of those things um, when you're starting out. So it's a lot of work, it's difficult, but having like moving through it's kind of like wow like I'm capable of so much like I did all this so satisfying evidence to what you can do you know what I mean mm-hmm. setting the bar high so because you exactly. can reach you can reach you it's just it takes time <laughs> it does take time you're a little older more wise and more seasoned what some advice would you give to the younger uh, Jada that, that, that would have made her life a, little, a lot easier? Ooh, um, I would probably tell her to stick with, follow, follow your gut. Um, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to be in health. I didn't have enough confidence in myself. I didn't think I was necessarily smart enough um, when in reality it was probably just because I was lazy. Um, But stick to your gut. Don't be lazy. Get off your butt. Focus. Take things seriously. Um, And I'm pretty sure that I would have been on this path a lot sooner. Probably with a degree in nutrition or dietetics. That's the advice I would give my younger self. Trust you, I like it. And it's never too late either. So, you know, our, our podcast is uh, the Process Podcast. And mm-hmm. um, our main goal is to hear individual stories and, and just to hear the experiences of how they're trusting the process. Um, so what does uh, trust the process mean to you? Trust the process to me means to have patience, have the faith in God that he is leading you in the direction that is best for you, and to trust that everything is going to work out for your good. Um, holding Holding the faith and when the naysayers come and try and discourage you, or dissuade you from pursuing your dreams and goals and what you know you're destined to do, to be able to fight that and tell them, I know my purpose, I know what I'm doing. Um, and trust that timeline that it's gonna work out and, and everything's gonna fall through. So Jada, is there any lasting words you wanna leave with the listeners? So I guess my final words 
everyone would be again to trust in yourself um, be your authentic self and to show up every day giving 100% and being true to you and everything will fall into place uh, where can the listeners find you if they want to connect um, with the habit of health and you know, what you're doing in your well if they're interested to find more about the habit of wellness I'm on Instagram at the habit of wellness um, I'm on Facebook facebook.com slash the habit of wellness and um, or you could email me if you want to speak with me um, the quickest way to get in touch with me jada at the habit of wellness.com you can check out the website I have a blog all that good stuff um, so yeah this concludes episode 43 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. And they're chanting, trust the process. <laughs> trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered, like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.